0: Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mone, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden.
1: this guys. A bit of a bittersweet week for Arsenal this week. Uh, struggling against... Uh, struggling Watford. And then, you know, getting the job done in Frankfurt. But, you know, heading off to the Watford game, I thought a lot of Arsenal fans thought that this could be a moment to, you know, jump into third place against the Watford side. Who couldn't buy a win?
0: You know... As as you know mentioned, I also try to be positive going to the game, and I mean, even if you listen to our podcast of last week, we were, you know, really upbeat, thinking, okay, now we can get you know this show on the road again. But you know, any, it was almost like anything but that. So with regards to the game, Urzulin gets his first start of the season, um, and you know, everybody was thinking, okay, he's now coming after you know all the shenanigans that happened now. During the like leading up to the season as well with that that uh, attempted carjacking and that, so it was in a way also good to see him, just to see what he's going to now bring to the table, especially now uh, in a way game since we know normally he goes you know kind of missing in these sort of games. So, the game kicks off and I think from the from the get go, this game becomes a very very open game and I'm thinking to myself, you know you also want some sort of stability in the squad like you know where we can almost like di- we dictate the game but it, it's almost like like as we're gonna discuss in this game but also the the if you think of the previous few games that we've been playing it's it's games that are almost like turning into like basketball games
1: you you're 100% right it's like one team shoots the next team shoots the one team shoots and the next team shoots and that's why that stat you mentioned to me the other day just it, it, it kind of shows the openness of the game of how much we can see the shots on, on our goal because of just the manner of which the game is played. Like, you attack, we attack, you attack, we attack. And, I mean, like, allowing a player like Dalfoye with a lot of space, you could see, caused us a lot of problems. I know we were scared of Troy and him not... Um, we were happy that he wasn't going to be playing, but a guy like Delphoio exploited the fact that it became a basketball game.
0: And, I mean look in that first so 20 minutes they were almost like all over us as um okay we were like you know in coming at them in fits and starts but i mean the way they were attacking look they didn't even need what was it andre gray the, the yes
2: because
0: i mean it was like they were attacking with the the the, the fullbacks they were attacking with the like the old the old midfield they were like attacking us so I thought to myself i mean is there any way we're gonna you know have something that's gonna get some sort of hold in this game because look People like Erzl at times, um, Sebaios, Quendozi, they were trying to, also, like, you know, doing their utmost in a way also to, to um, you know, get some sort of position in the game where we can, like, you know, dictate and build from that. But I mean, of, of course, okay, the deadlock was then broken in the 21st minute. The long solo run by Kolasinac, uh, a little short pass uh, towards Abameyang, who then, you know, spun the defender. And then you know with almost like a first time shot also just smash the ball past Ben Foster in the in the goal.
1: I just want to give it a big up to actually Sebayos as well, winning the ball before the like Colasinic gets the assist. I mean, it just shows the hard work he puts on the pitch with with or without the ball. And I think he could be a very pivotal guy to the squad this season, but one Arsenal Good, good, you know, against the line of play. And uh, there's a good away performance at that point. You're thinking, OK,
0: yeah.
1: you know, just soak up the pressure and try to eat them on the counter.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean, look, you know, there was also a short period of Arsenal dominance. Because then it was like, you know, uh, Watford were then rocked on the heels. Um, you know, trying to recover from that, you know, conceding. As Arsenal now started swarming them again. Um, and then, of course, that led to Arsenal goal in the 32nd minute. Um... A great ball by Urzel that picked out Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who then already 45 the ball across into the box for Aubameyang to just smash the ball. on Easy goal, 2-0 no Arsenal.
1: You know that goal? I think it was actually 20, 20 or 21 passes before, the, you know, Aubameyang tapped the ball into the net. So it just showed the dominance we actually had. And Watford weren't closing us down. At that point, it seemed like Watford, like, stopped trying. And I remember you messaging me at halftime. I had this voice you note. Know, I actually wanted to actually play it in the podcast. But the manner you just said, like, you know, Arsenal's doing really well in this game. But it
0: seems like we're trying to keep watch for the goal. It's like we're almost saying, yeah, we want you to get back into the game. Because that, now that you mentioned that, you know, immediately what pops in my head was uh, uh, Gwendoza getting a ball from Leno. And, yes. And what I don't get is, look, it's, oh, I'm not just going to blame you now. But you've got people left and right, of and you've got the goalie then passing the ball to him. But you don't hear... Look, sometimes with with today's technology, you can hear everything that's happening on the pitch, and you don't hear anybody giving some sort of shout, look, man on, you know. Yeah. And at that time, he ends up, you know, getting bundled off the ball. He's, of course, looking for a free kick. And then, uh, you know, uh, just... I don't know... Somehow, Leonard you know, just shovels the ball. I mean, it wasn't even... that You can't even call it like a save. It's like he just tried to shovel the ball away for a corner because it came so sudden because of that that quick press. And I, you could see there, in a way, it was also like a kind of inkling to what we were... You know, what was coming. You know, the, the, as I said, the calm before the storm. Because you knew that they already started to figure out bit by bit by bit, you know, what's happening. And then, you know, look, we went into half-time two-up. And I, I still thought to myself, and I, I'm not sure if I messaged you, but I still said... Look, we should have actually, you know, bagged maybe another one or two goals in that first half because, look, they were there, especially in the last quarter of the game, they were there for the taking. But it's almost like, as we now also discussed, we were almost at, at points getting so casual, we were trying to give them the goal. I mean, it's not like they were really doing much or breaking a sweat to, you know, to get the goal. We were almost like trying to give them the thing. And then second half, you know, Watford immediately come on the front foot and, just to jump to a post-match interview I saw, which, but I mean, I'm still leading on to everything now with us. Uh, Tom Cleverly was saying, in the a in like, half-time break, uh, Kiko, uh, was it Flores, was telling them yeah. they keep on with us, um, you know, short goal kicks and that stuff. So, it's almost like, let's rather go out. If we lose 3-0, we lose 3-0 or 4-0. But he said, let's keep on with this high press. And, you know, normally, Sometimes it backfires on lower, lower um, place teams. But, I mean, yeah, it paid off for them because as they start doing this really high press, you know, and they're starting to... And Arsenal, almost like Arsenal goal kicks, at, at times, uh, I think the commentator was saying, why don't Leno then just let uh, luis or Socrates take a, a long goal kick? Because it makes no sense. He was playing like those little five-yard passes to them. And then, of course, uh, somehow uh, Socrates loses his rag in the, what was it, 53rd minute, something like that? Yeah, and he ends up just passing the ball, like, you know, cockily. He tries to pass the ball to Gundosi, doesn't really pick up that uh, uh, Delafayo is, is reading the situation. Intercepts the ball, plays a little pass to the on-rushing Tom Cleveland and he just smashes the ball past, you know, two-one Arsenal game on. The, the problem,
1: the problem for me with Arsenal is they 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 keep themselves very cocky for a team that you know hasn't won anything in a while or anything significant. I'm not saying if the cup not significant. But they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be doing stuff like that. I mean, as Arsenal Football Club, we need to be um, sealing the game by, you know, keeping things basic. Another point I also want to bring up is, you know, we would Watford try that against Liverpool if Liverpool were to up against them. No, they would try to go for damage limitation. So it just shows that how the teams don't fear Arsenal anymore.
0: Yeah, because look at it was straight up as it was uh, like some. Uh, commentators well, even after the game say is that kamikaze defending because why if you already two up you got everything you know everything is there for the taking why go out that attacking even because i think right there and then it should have now also come down to the manager to think look we two up we uh, I an no, away from uh, away from my own game so you know be now a bit more cautious i'm not saying now going to your shell completely but just be a bit more cautious because, look, you know, the team, the home team was going to come out, you know, all guns blazing. And then, you know, we end up almost like trying to play this expansive uh, type of football. And then it almost like comes up to bite us on the ass because I was just thinking if we had played a more conservative way in that, that, like, say, start of the second half, we could have picked them off at random if we'd not just also altered our tactics to it and played a bit more conservative. Exactly, there was no need for that short goal kicks anymore. It's not like you needed to throw them out to
1: no. to try to score another goal. You knock it long. Let them think of, OK, we need to change our tactic. But Arsenal don't do that. And I
0: mean, from then on, it was just all watchful because every time we were even clearing the ball or even playing it short, which was also like where we ended up having to play the ball under pressure again out of defence, the ball was just coming straight from the half line back to the Arsenal team. And you could see something was going to buckle because all of a sudden we became, you know, a more team just on the ropes, getting punched left and right because there was no real uh, forward attacking to our game then. And then also to to kind of worsen things, uh, you know, the people that, as, that I mentioned at the start of the of the pod about, like say Gwendozy, um Sebayos Özil, they as much as we were kind of getting overrun, they were at least trying to get their foot on the ball and, you know try to start something, you know, start a sort of play from the middle of the park. But, I mean, the minute he, he took off those three, it's almost like you could see that pendulum swing even, you know, all the way to Watford because then, of course, you had people like, uh, not that I have to criticise them now, but, I mean, you had Willock, you had Torreira, you had um, Reese Nelson come in, in a game. We we're already being overrun in midfield, and now you're coming almost like in from the cold, and you're coming up against this sort of, like, if you look at the the ball of kapui and the Corey and them, they are gonna outmuscle you. They are gonna outrun you. They're gonna outmuscle you, and it also like you know having the sacrificial lambs being sent out. So yeah, it's crazy tactics.
1: For for me, I don't know if 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 Torreira ever got the message or or what, because I mean I like the guy last season. He was probably my personal player of the season, but it's like since he's come back into the team. He's looked relatively lost, and that second goal, or the penalty that, that or led up to the penalty, he was, he was in Watford's box, hitting the shot. I know another day, maybe it could have gone in, but his role was to kind of just shield the defence, make sure that nobody, you know, breaks through us. But the next moment he is in, in Watford's box, they lose the ball. The problem that led to the penalty is we have Xhaka and Ainsley maitland now almost going for the one guy, so then it leaves the next player to break forward without them chasing him. And they keep on going two to one play. I don't know what that's supposed to help. And then you see that the the one man that Maitland Niles or Xhaka is supposed to be marking, he's bolting off free, get onto the ball, and the next thing you know, it could lead to a penalty. And that's what happened.
0: And I mean, look, at the, like, also the, the gift of, Oh, but just before I go into that, one thing I also want to add, you know, that Guendouzi being subbed and holding his fingers, like, with a scoreline at that, at 2-1, which is, like, still on a knife edge, and holding it up to the fans. I mean, you are just asking for trouble also. Because, I mean, it's almost like just heightening up the the, the players on the pitch of Watford. Because, I mean, you making that gesture to the fa- to the Watford fans, I mean, no matter what, you just ignore them. But, I mean, in a game that's so guilt-edged still, no? it, it's like you asking for trouble. And, I mean, I'm sure that even gave them also that bit of extra fire up the arse as they now, you know, fired on in that second half against us. But, I mean, with regards to the penalty, you know, again, David Luiz with a lazy, like, this time again, a lazy trip. I mean, like, he just sticks out the leg. And, I mean, I saw some people even try to cover up that thing, like, saying, yeah, it was like a dive. The thing is, that guy is slaloming into the box. He's already just shifting past. And Luiz puts that leg out and trips him. I mean, it's clumsy, but it's a penalty. It's a stone wall again.
1: It's, I mean, we've conceded too many penalties this season. What, three penalties yeah. in five games? And you take that penalties out of the game, tell me what the scoreline is. 2-1 and 2-1. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Arsenal are sitting quite high in the log. And these are the individual errors that cost us. We don't get outplayed by teams. Yes, I know we allow a lot of shots to our goals. But if you look at the goals we've conceded, and it's just individual lapses. I mean, Liverpool, the corner that could have been prevented. The penalty to make it 2-0 for Liverpool, that could have been prevented. Harry Kane's, um, flick on against Spurs and the penalty could have been prevented. And then you look at against Watford now, at least one of those goals could have been prevented. And then you look at where we are in the log. It's just, the, I don't know if everybody is not getting through to the
0: players or what is this, the real problem. Yeah, because it's like, you know... Is it's almost like the manager has one thing or one agenda, and it's almost like the players are are coming with six or seven types of things that they come like you know, bringing onto the field, and it's not working. And you you know, what also you know, makes it matters worse, you don't really have a true leader out there on the field that can really tell them, Look, I'm gonna you know, pull you right if you're not gonna you know, get yourself in in position or whatever, because you've got people like uh, you know, people you have like. Speaking for myself now, the way I'm as a, like an Arsenal fan, looking at that team, in my eyes, I'm looking up at people like David Luiz and Socrates to be carrying this team, and and and, and I mean, when you have two of them making the biggest blunders, that's also cause like, adding to the problems, and and our skipper, you know, going a wall up front, making random runs forward where he should be, you know, adjusting himself to do a more defensive side, uh, you know, the defensive side of the game. We, uh, it's just total chaos when you watch us play because you like also with this thing with this, the shots we have to somehow drop that I mean look I'm not saying you're going to have a game where oh yeah Aiden uh, we're going to play a game where we probably will just have a minimum of three or four shots it's not going to happen most games can be you know you know, uh, almost like a real cliffhanger you know seesaw game but I mean the amount of shots we already at a level where we on average we're already having 20 shots at our goal like in a half Whereas you watch in, a, in the course of say I was like I was messaging you yesterday with looking at the stats of of, of Liverpool's game in the Champions League, uh, Real Madrid, PSG also in the Champions League. they look, it was an open game. It was a, a tough game, in that. but I mean, both sh- both teams ended up with less than fifteen shots either way. So, why are we allowing all this? Like you know, it's not like open season on no goal. I think our midfield's
1: not tight enough. I know our defence is a problem, but I think our midfield, the guys who are supposed to be be protecting the defence is just focused on going forward. We don't have that player that is going to get... Like, I don't have to read with that guy, but overall, we're just not a team that tries to snuff out danger. We try to react when it's too late, and that's Arsenal's biggest problem, I feel. It's just too too late into doing everything. But, I mean, by the... By the
0: time we get to close down the guys, the ball's in the net already. And have you seen also when we're playing and we're being hit on the break, did you see either on the left or the right flank, our fullbacks are caught up so high, you're always going to have a free run from one of the opponents at our goal. Because once that ball gets played down the halfway line or to the middle and the the guy's running at our defence, then you can look left and right flank and you can see the runners already from the opponent. And The reason I'm saying opponent, it's happened against Spurs, it's happened against Liverpool, it's even happened against Burnley, where you're still having these runners getting free rein to bomb down the flanks and nobody is there to like, catch up because Maitland Niles been caught high up the field. Nobody's covering that, you know, that pocket. No midfielders thinking ahead and thinking, OK, I have to be the backup uh, right back now because until Maitland Niles can now drop back or I mean, Kolasinac does all these runs forward, but he's got zero legs when it means to come back. So... Then why bother them going forward, you know, bombing forward? and Or same with the coaching thing. Then why are you allowing your fullbacks to push off if you know they don't have the legs to track back?
1: Yes, another example on the bring, I know I like to go back to the old, like, you know, players we had, but us, they spoke once to Nigel Winterman or Lee Dixinger. There's one of them as fullbacks. He said, you know, in Arsenal, sometimes we're two up in a game or. Or they were like, you know, hanging on 2-1. Um, Tony Adams would look into the two of them and tell them like, you know, you guys don't go anywhere. You guys stay here. Don't go for any more attacking runs. And that's not what you need for like five to ten minutes where you just kind of solidify the back and just hold out. And then the team can almost like, you know, have that wall behind them and then the front of them also starts protecting. And then you work as a unit, but we don't have that. Like you said, there's no leadership. So who do you listen to on the field?
0: And, I mean, then, like, you know, with Pereira then slotting home the penalty to make it 2-2, you know, Arsenal were really then just literally hanging on to their game because all of a sudden I had this sickening feeling where I knew, you know, a third is going to come now for Watford because uh, you saw absolutely no fight then from Arsenal or no sort of attempt to even, like, drive forward. and Because when we were driving forward, it was all just faltering out by the box. Either we were hanging too long on the ball. And, I mean, look, Watford were also then defending for the their life as well so I mean you know, at, the, at the death you have Dakore then start this mazy run from the halfway line Walter past our midfield or whatever is left of the midfield and then in that time I mean okay. look, but he's, look you're already in the dying embers of the game and then you've got teams still playing a 1-2 on the edge of the box with uh, what's that Ismail Saw, and uh, you know luckily he just did not latch onto the ball I mean he, he like he just like, got a weak shot off, and I mean know just managed to save. But I thought, look, there we could have now ended up losing a game in injury time. Just like that, we could have thrown a game away with
1: it. No. I think the Corey would be a good fit for Arsenal. I think just the type of, you know, his strength and the way he gets
0: from box to box. I think we're missing a guy like that. Look, we in have the Arsenal team. We have that in, say, Torera. But the thing is, with his physique in the Premier League, you, you need to be that tall, lanky guy to. Yeah. I mean, you can be as tough as a little bull terrier and whatever, but if you've got somebody like, look at that, that like I said, the the core, he's literally just waltzing. I mean, that, uh, if you, almost like kind of squint your eyes, you think this is Vieira just waltzing through everybody? Yes. A, that loping, you know, that legs are so loping, and then but I mean, he's skipping past people. You see people trying to slide in tackles, and he's just skipping over you. Like, Socrates,
1: you know, how even, like, skilled Socrates, like, when he did a driving run, like, he just made his foot over the board or something, and Socrates then decided, I don't know which way to go, and he started running back again.
0: Jeez, but, I mean, you know, a point, but, Jesus, uh, one lucky point that we got at Watford. But, you know, from there, we move our attention to the Frankfurt game. And, I mean, of course... Everybody was already on our cases leading up to the, uh, the Europa League game against uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, because some people were wondering, you know, are they going to, you know, try to send roughly that same squad they played Watford to kind of make things right? But then, of course, Emery against sprung a surprise. where we've got to hear that Özil after what just seventy one minutes of his, <laughs> is rested back in uh, going to be staying in London and. Socrates, but I think Socrates, I think it was a more mental thing because you could see his mentals, like his emotions were almost like over the top, not over the top, but you could see it really hit that blunder he made. Because, I mean, the way he was talking to himself constantly after the goal even still. So, so I think it was more a thing where he, he should have just like, you know, recharged or something, like you know, it was like a reset kind of thing. But I mean, for, for me, with Ozil, it just shows you, I don't know, maybe... Emery thought he's maybe not up for that fight again or something like that. But that being said, Frankfurt were kind of going in as favourites into the game because they have like a I don't know how long. I mean, they've no English team has won there, and those they're already coming off a good home They gave but they also do have a good home record. I don't of as a fact. So they, you know, of course, gamers played there with you know chop. Uh, the squad was now you know kind of mixed up. We had, in you know, a defence of uh, Martinez in goal, Chambers at the right back, Mustafi, of all people, coming in at centre-back, David Luiz and Colasinas in all their places. So, again, uh, a way open game. Frankfurt, of course, was starting to already poke goals early in the game. You know, that uh, Kostic and... and um, was it the other guy was also... Because they, they, they kept on, you know, probing Arsenal because like they knew exactly which... Spots, Because I think at the moment, in the beginning, you could see uh, Callum Chambers did look a bit rusty in the beginning. What was your take on the game in the early parts?
1: Oh, my heart was in in my throat, actually. I was looking like it was a goal waiting to happen. Because I came in probably like two minutes late into the game or three minutes late, and I was watching. But it was like they were swarming our box every time, and it was too easy. It's like our midfield. I was looking at where's our midfield, because then Frankfurt would pick up the ball, get into the box... And luckily for us, Frankfurt were very wasteful. So we could have been 2 3 nil down very early on in the game. I don't know if, if you thought that as well, but I thought we,
0: we could have been it could have been ugly very early. I mean, like the only little, like, you know, little, in the early parts where I was, kind of, you know, positive. You know, seeing, like, say they were peppering shots at, at uh, Martinez. He was always palming the ball. Away or some way towards his player to make the clearance type of thing, he wasn't like, going to drop it, you know, anywhere close to to the Frankfurt players that were, you know, roaming the box. But I mean, the break, breakthrough eventually comes in the 38th minute, also doing, in you know, a bit more counter-attacking footy, which uh, leads to the old chance for uh, Bukayo Saka, who plays in Willock, who then cuts inside and smashes the ball in via deflection and over Kevin Trap, 1-0 Arsenal.
1: I think Saka, you know, from that who does, really, that uh, his confidence, um, like, you know, or, or leaps of, of greatness because, I mean, he he was able now to, you know, take the game with a scrap of the neck. I know before that he was a bit, you know, out of pace in the game, but I think once he picked up the ball like that, gave the ball to Wolok and Wolok slotted the goal. In for us, I mean, he, he really started coming through, but I mean, before that as well, a said, set were locked up as well. I mean, it could have been 2 0 up. So, in a game like that as well, we need to be a bit more clinical if I'm being a bit, you know, yeah. a bit picky,
0: but um, you um, know, 1 0 Arsenal and yeah. happy with that. Because I mean, I also recall earlier in the game also where Torreira ended up missing a flick on chance where he was at the far post, he stabbed it kind of wide. Um, I think Emil Smith Raul was also making his season debut for Arsenal. He also missed the, you know, glaring chance because, I mean, it was a fantastic ball that I, I believe Xhaka played through for him, but he ended up just blazing over the crossbar. Um, you know, going into halftime, it was still, as I said, the stats were quite shocking still because I think they were, uh, Frankfurt were also in that first half, I believe, they already had over 10-plus shots at our goal in that first half. Could be even more, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I was, yeah, and then going into that second half, you know, Frankfurt again start adding pressure and you know, whatever t- to the Arsenal goal. But I think then Arsenal started playing a bit more cautious. Rather, started waiting, you know, like letting them make the first move. And then we just started, you know, doing these quick counters against them. Because look, we had the players with the pace to, you know, break them down. And I think in the 55th minute, Xhaka then also clips about a, what was it, 35-yard 30, free kick on the, like the touchline, and he ends up landing, a pizza keeper, and lands onto the crossbar and bounces away. You could see he meant that, actually. Just uh, kind of
1: the way he put that whip and it burns like, you know, on the ball just to and die like that just on the crossbar. It would have been an amazing goal if he yeah, could have put that away. I would have been quite happy if he did that. I would have been a bit forgiving. I would have said that was a captain's decision he made there.
0: And then in the 60th minute, uh, Pepe then comes on for Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, but I think that was also just to, you know, ease Emil Smith-Rowe also into, you know, the season now for Arsenal. Uh, Pepe then, of course, started also now pulling a bit more strings, since I, th- I think it was almost like Frankfurt were more cautious of him. So they were giving him that space to drive at them, and I think that was also at their own peril, because he actually wanted that sort of, you know, set plan against him, because he was absolutely just driving. Whenever he had the chance, he was driving at that at that uh, fullbacks of uh, Frankfurt. And I mean, it also in the 68th minute, that then also led to probably the goal of the evening, where Pepe gets the ball fed to him on the halfway line. He waltzes through on the you know on the Arsenal right flank, cuts inside and plays a little, you know cute ball to uh, Bakayosaka. And I mean, Bakayosaka just stops the ball with one foot. It was like you know in Bergkamp mode. Just lines up the ball, looks up, sees where the keeper is, and he just paints a beauty to the top corner goal to, to no Arsenal. I was really happy
1: for the guy um, to get his first goal like that. And I mean, just prior to that, he got uh, one of the Frankfurt guys sent off as well, you know, taking the ball, causing a bit of problems. And then the guy fouls him. And then, you know, shortly after that, he scores. So, you know, from assisting Warlock to. Um, getting the guy said of just scoring a goal. I mean, for you, that does wonders for his confidence. Two-not Arsenal and you're thinking, okay, you know, I had very negative thoughts about this game and but really now we're actually 2-0 up against Frankfurt. But
0: I mean I just you know I mean I sort of just jumped at <laughs> between the, the, the sending off even of Dominic Row. But uh, you know, with with all that happening in between, I, I in my mind I was just thinking would we have had it that comfortable if it was 11 v 11? Because it seems we were still making, you know, heavy weather of, of the situation. I mean, we were 1 up, but it's like you still don't know. Like, you know, we don't have that assurance. Like, you know, this defense could help us out. But I mean, look, also give props to, say, uh, to Austin Mustafi because he also threw his body on the line a couple of times and made, you know, decent blocks and interceptions in that game. You know, the- I guess a lot of
1: people don't recognise that because they, you know, we just want to use Mustafi as a scapegoat. Then, I mean, I suppose he didn't do it too badly in, under the circumstances against a tough Frankfurt side. I know no moments here and there, but, but it was actually in a short performance. And I don't want to jinx it, but maybe he should be getting a bit more chances in in certain places, like maybe as a right back at times, uh, because I know he does a better job for me as a right back than a centre
0: back. I mean, I, like, my thing is always, like, my biggest problem that I had or have with Mustafi with, with is just that recklessness. He does not know whether he must, you know, stand up to defend and jockey. Like, you know, if you just think of, of say, like, the way we used to play in that, then you think, okay, I'm going to jockey this guy either to the sideline or something like that or jockey the ball on his, you know, the weaker foot type of thing. But yeah. you know somebody, you don't think like that. He just jumps into a tackle and he'll take you out ball and all, but... More often than not, the person is maybe quick-footed, flicks the ball past him, and then, of course, he comes in heavy with a tackle, and (laughs) is your your penalty, your free kick in a dangerous area. So, yeah. And and, the Una Emre also had given away a lot of
1: penalties that count for something. I mean, last season, you look, you know, Harry Kane's penalties that we gave him. I mean, the one was a crucial one at Wembley when they beat us 1-0. I mean, we threw 1-1. I mean, we gave away two penalties against Crystal Palace in a 2-2 draw. And I mean, the list probably goes on. We gave two at Liverpool against, at Anfield, also, where we lost last season. So, I don't know what everybody tells the guys or something, but, like, shouldn't that be worked on for the amount of penalties we've been given away?
0: Yeah. Then, I mean, uh, what's the 87-minute sucker then dispossesses um, the Frankfurt player Kamada and then slips the ball immediately into Young's path and then dispatches the ball to the net pass Kevin Trap 3-0 no Arsenal.
1: I thought Aubameyang would have maybe rolled the ball to Pepe to you know, let him feel the back of the net in the Arsenal jersey because it seems like Pepe, you know, the longer it goes on, the harder he's going to try to get the goal. And it might just feel like it, you know, it's gonna be going to go even further and further away because the harder you try sometimes, like it doesn't pay
0: off always. You know, funny you mentioned that The amount of people I saw that actually wrote that on even Twitter the other day where they were just saying, you know, he, should, you know, he could have then, you know, given it. But I think that is just more striker instinct. When I think you just, I mean, you've played forward as well. Yes. You have the ball, you go into like a blinker mode. You don't give a crap of who's left or right of you. If you see that keeper advancing you're going to try to bury that ball. Yeah, that is true. That is uh, you know, can't, you can't fault him for that. But
1: I thought it would have you know, been a nice touch just for him to get a goal because of the manner in which, you know, Pepe is struggling to score, actually.
0: But, I mean, you know, good start to the Europa League. Uh, you know, but just, as I said, uh, or as we now discussed, I mean, just the openness of the game, I think, is kind of worrying. I mean, it's also something that I seriously, seriously hope that we, uh, you know, work on something like that because we need to cut down that, you know, the chances opponents get. And also, outside, we also need to have that a bit more discipline because it seems we are playing... We want to play, you know, almost like Sunday, uh, not Sunday, uh, almost like, uh, say Barcelona or or Real Madrid type attacks, but we want to play uh, like Sunday league defence. So (laughs) it's it's not going to work like that. You have to get that sort of balance right. And I mean, for myself, you know, being like an Arsenal fan, you know, even the George Graham era, for me, it's like you saw a team that was like built from the back and then gone forward like with... You know, we had, like, say, midfielders that weren't, say, uh, so flamboyant, say, like 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 Paul Davis back in the day. Uh, we had, like, say, Rowcastle, and Michael Thomas, they were the ones that were, you know, the creators and then, and, and, you know, the, the skillful ones that bring it, almost like a Brazilian flair to the team. Whereas you had people like, um, almost like in the 89 season, you had, like, Kevin Richardson. You had also Paul Davis in there, who were, you know, tough players, but they were also the ones that are... You know, you already had a solid defense, and then you still have, you know, almost like a, another wall in front of them, in, say, Richardson or Paul Davis. And I think that is something we've been missing in that, almost like that I missed from that era. And also in that, uh, when we had Vieira and Petit, you missed that period also where you've got that extra shield always. So if the uh, your attacking mids lose the ball, your opponent's going to have to get through that, that holding mid that we normally would have, which was like a stock standard by Arsenal under Wenger also in the early years. And then, of course, you saw like the old George, George Graham defends there also. The,
1: the, the biggest
0: problem, like you um, mentioned now, is
1: when <laughs> the attacking mid gets dispossessed, you'll see the defensive mid standing next to him waiting for the pass in the opponent's box. And by the time the team turns us over, then our defensive mid is jogging behind the attacker as the
0: guy is breaking forward to go and score. And, you know, have you also noticed that last, I think could could even be that Watford game, where you had uh, Socrates and David Luiz alone at the back, and then you had four yes. Watford people just swarming and going forward. And I'm thinking, you know, where's the people that's going to help out here? Because uh, as a footballer,
1: like, if, if I get put in the defensive mid like, I won't venture much over the the, the halfway line, unless, you know, we're we really attacking them, because when the ball breaks... You need to be that first line of defense almost to kind of, you know, almost shadow that attacker or just try to make life difficult while the rest of the team gets back to come and defend. But know how defensive midfielders is waiting for a through ball while, like you say, Socrates and Louis are getting exposed. And I mean, yes, they, they always sometimes are at fault for the stuff that happens, but
0: sometimes you can't blame them because they're like two against four. And then what else can they do? And have you noticed, this is another thing that I find worrying, and uh, it's almost like it's standing out more and more um, for this season. Have you noticed how many of the first and second balls that we lose? I don't know if you, just, just, yes. know if you have taken note of it, or just maybe take note of it in the coming games also. Just watch. Like, we lose a ball from, say, a flick on. Then, of course, it maybe gets blocked. And then the ball breaks. Then you think it's going to break towards us, and it will break again to you know, the opponent, because we allowed that guy to now peel off whatever. And then you think, okay, here's a shot coming in; it gets blocked. Then you think we're gonna again be somehow reacting to the third ball, and then we'll end up losing that also? So uh, for me, that is another worry because it was. I think they were showing a set the other day also of another a, a set, a, a clip of one of the teams we played last year or last season, and we ended up losing. The ball got flicked on on the halfway line, which we lost, and then the ball get flicked on again. Like here's a ball now that that ball bounced loose. We lost that second one and by the third when the ball came to that third guy of the opponent, the goal was scored. So it's like the ball just clearly went through every like over everybody from a goal kick and got scored like a, I just can't remember the opponent, but that was one of the it was quite bad I find.
1: I don't know what Emory doing to address these issues, but I hope he, you know, gets it somewhat correct before we play Aston Wellett, which going to be dropping points at home. You know, I must admire Emily's form at home. It's, it's been quite good. Okay, the latter part of last season, you know, he threw games away at home. But for most part, his, his form at home you know, is quite solid. And there's nothing improved, like, under Wenger's that last part of his reign. But he's a way for him to be worked on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know know what he is doing, because I don't see any improvement. The teams are making the same mistake.
0: And I mean, look, now we come up against Aston Villa tomorrow. They are placed play 17th in the league. Um, you know, key players for them at the moment that, you know, be clocking up good stats, even though, you know, they've got like one win, one draw and three losses. But I mean, look, they're still up there always for a fight. So, you know, as Frederick Gilbert, uh, John McGinn and that Anwar El Ghazi. So, you know, El Ghazi is uh, somebody that attacking player brought from Lille because, I mean, El Ghazi and uh, Pepe were... You know, almost like the the, the f- part of the front three of Lille that was so successful last season that got them into the Champions League. But I mean, you know, that being said, assistant coach for Aston Villa is John Terry. And I mean, he will have his homework set up for Arsenal, be prepared for Arsenal. Even though he's now not, you know, the senior coach or head coach there. As assistant, he's going to be giving them over enough info of how to combat us at the moment, especially with our sort of form defensively.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, it's a bit of a worry for me as well. And what also worries me is that Arsenal are the team that kind of revives hope in the opposition. So you say Aston Villa 17th of the log, You know, a team that really could. Either yeah, they were going to Anfield or they were going to Etihad. So uh, I would think, okay, how much are we going to get beaten by today? Let's make it a little. But I'm sure their coaches are saying, you know, let's get at them. They very brittle, you know. we score one, or we score uh, only two goals, or whatever, we 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 can we can we can take this game.
0: And I mean, uh, we're getting to a point now where, you know, just want to reiterate what you just said. You know, we've not come to a point where, you know, where it looks like on paper we're gonna play winnable, uh, it's like a winnable fixture. And then I mean, we end up making such heavy weather of it, and we make the Watfords of this world look like Barcelona. You know, I mean, the way they were pinging the ball around and making us chase shadows for most of that second half. You know, you you can see Villers are upping their game probably now against us tomorrow, even if they're going to play a cautious game. So, because they know we're probably going to go all, you know, firing full cylinders at them, and they just have to play a patient game and wait for the counter against us.
1: Uh, And and we
0: can't afford to throw points away anymore
1: because, I mean, after that, uh, we won't touch much much into it at all, but we play Man United... um, the following the Monday at, at Old Trafford. So, you know, you don't know what to expect. I mean, what is Emory doing to address our weaknesses? I mean, for me, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and I probably will stand behind him till the end of the season. But I'm not happy with what's happening at the moment with how things are panning out at Arsenal Football Club. I mean, we, 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 we don't seem like we've improved. Like the first game of the season, I thought, you know, OK, we're showing a bit of toughness. We have a clean sheet away from home. But then it just started and it went back into the old, the old man of things again, where we sloppy in, defense, you know, run out of ideas if our first plan doesn't work. So, yeah, I don't know what's the way forward, actually.
0: I mean, uh, like, you know, as we now, also, like, rounded off another Villa preview, and now, just like, focus on just, like, the general po- talking points at the moment. Like, you know, we like you now just mentioned, because that was actually based on the first uh, question I was not going to ask about, you know, where has it gone for, for Arsenal and Unai Emery? And I mean, I think you, that was actually really spot on what you just said. But I mean, for me also, you know, with this whole short goal kick thing and and the long goal kick or when to do e- either, this is what I, I find also. like, that short goal kick thing since it's been brought into play, for me, it's like the biggest anchor around our neck at the moment because now we've gotten to a, a point where You've, not, you've got two centre-backs that are, like, Look like they, they, they. when they infield, they're comfortable on the ball. But the minute you're doing that sort of, that short goal, you can see David Luiz don't want the ball. And uh, Socrates doesn't want the ball either. So, of course, the, the, the they are becoming so, you know, right on top of Leno. So sort of not giving him really space to play a pass. And then I'm thinking to myself, look, if you're failing with this, then why not do it like you used to do it? like last season, play a goal kick like that rather. we yeah. actually outside of the box. And I mean, like for me, uh, look, somebody that has played football and, and also coached and that, something we I always look for, is like if I see somebody who's going to do that, you know, the sort of high-press Watford played, then I would, for about five or ten minutes, take long goal kicks, but they're going to, all of a sudden, Watford will see, or would have seen, look, it makes no sense us sacrificing ourselves to do the I press here. Because those people are just hitting the ball long, and then I mean, you can start flooding that area with more players in the, you uh, know, central on the halfway line. And the minute they start doing that, where they are going to now have to adjust their formation to switch to block the, you know, the long ball again. That is when you switch to the short ball, and you keep them guessing like that. But I mean, we were doing it so predictable. I was like, uh, goal kick, Arsenal, uh, short goal kick. Short, sure, yeah. There was no like letting them guess. And I think that that is what I mentioned to you. I think either last night or this morning about, you know, uh, what's up you. Just watch the way Martinez was playing against Frankfurt. was also something that we, uh, I kind of forgot to mention now. He was, every time they were asking for the short ball, uh, the goal kick, he was telling him, no, you go forward, I'm going to eat the ball long. He, 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 even when they were standing beside him, he was taking a goal kick long. And then, of course, for distribution, is another thing It was vital. Because every time he got the ball, he was catching Frankfurt on the heels every time because the minute he, he caught the ball, out with the ball. Either rolling it out, distributing quickly out to either flank with a throw out, a bowl out, or, you know, a, a, a more uh, advanced type of kicking to pick out your players. And you can see Frankfurt did not like that because that meant now almost like from that high press, you have to adjust to a full, full lung, you know, lung busting counter run to your own goal again. So that is what, what almost like kept us, almost like, knackering them out also over time in that, that course of that second novel. Because I think that's also in a way where we were, like we were wearing them down. And that is something where, where I think Leno is also, I think, he's he too focused just on what what um, Emery is saying. So it's almost like he's not playing his natural game. He's almost like being playing something that Emery's been almost like drilling into. Whereas Martin is almost like showing his kind of maturity where he shows that I've been in the game also quite long. So I know, look, he's been playing also championship football for a while also. So he knows how to do a, a spring a quick count on teams.
1: Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I'm actually playing back. Every time he got the ball, you would do a quick bowl out and you would just see the Arsenal team turning over Frankfurt now that you mentioned it. And I think that's something Arsenal need to add more into the game, is be quicker. Because sometimes they're too laboured and then the teams, you know, get back into their shape. Arsenal need to start, you know, rattling teams, whereby
0: they, you know, let the team have to defend all the time and the team thinking, oh my word, I need a break. I mean, I another sore point I was going to mention, I mean, it, it's something that also will probably come with the season again. You can't also. I mean, I'm not going to just now slag off people, but, you know, when, when passes are played, just watch sometimes, you watch, say, a Man City play, you watch a Liverpool play, even Spurs or, or uh, Chelsea. I mean, look, okay, Chelsea's going also sometimes ups and downs or even United, but they're always playing at ball with that. Everything is flowing, the move is flowing. With us, sometimes it's not like the pass gets played behind the run of the player. Yeah. Too far ahead of the player and, that little tweak should also come into the into play with, with you know the way they are coached in it that, because that's also like slowing our game down. I mean if you you want that ball to come in your stride, no or something like that. But if it gets played almost like overplayed, now you have Obama who could have made a darting run into the box, they have to run almost like to the corner flag to go fetch the ball and then bring the ball in and in that time you've got the left wing player standing out wide, you've got the right wing player out wide, and you've got no center forward to play the ball to so you end up, I mean, I don't know how many times also it was like in the last few games where I, I think even uh, one of the ex Arsenal players were mentioning it also, either Dixon or Alan Smith, we he said, We are starting to cluster ourselves so much on the flanks and then we're forgetting that we have, like, we need a point man in the box to play the ball to. So you got, like, say, even that when, when uh, Lacazette was fit, you had Lacazette, Obama and and even Pepe drifting all out wide, and the ball gets, like, we eventually do win it. But when we want to play the ball in, there's no attacking bit going forward. And all our four uh, attacking players are on the flank. So the ball just gets played into open space.
1: I just think, you know, with all of this, with the tactics and everything, Emery doesn't have his set plan, his set team. I mean, because as as a club, you have your set tactic and your set plan, which you alter according to maybe a team. As an example, you're playing um, Burnley and Watford at the Emirates. You could play a Acevedo and Oozle together. Or when you have, but when you play your stock standard games, I don't know who Emery's starting eleven is. I I know I keep on mentioning this, but you know you you don't know like it seems like you just play Xhaka because Xhaka is captain. So now you're automatically taking a place from somebody that actually deserves to be in there, and it's going to continue being like that. I mean, going to, I don't know if it's if it's his character as a coach because. I don't think that Cavani that and Neymar incident, it was like, those things shouldn't be happening in the team, and it didn't get sorted out, actually. And you could see it, it, it all um, led up to issues in PSG, so I don't know if Kemen needs to be a bit more assertive with those guys.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I just... As you said, I think it's like, what he wants and what they are doing, it's like, you know, each other are like on, you're on a different plane, so... They're not really meeting each other up. So it's like just each one is cross, you know, crisscrossing, but never really making some sort of positive connection because I uh, don't like what he wants, the type of play. Uh, like also, uh, I think another thing that also stands out for me, and I think you and I have mentioned it either in previous podcasts or also to each other in like, private. It's like you will go out with a game plan. You know, okay, this is it. They'll play well to the game plan, but even for forbid they concede. Then you can see Emery goes from that, you know, that positivity type of coach. He goes totally into that, like, a DNA headlights type of thing because then it's like he does not know what to do. The players are looking to him, like, what to do. And there's no, like, counter-reaction. He's not telling them, look, OK, we're going to alter this, this, this. He did it, like, a bit in the start or when we had that, that 22, 21 unbeaten game run where he would now alter things, you know, in-game management type of thing. But now, it's sort of, like the minute we can't see, then he has lost total, like, or like faith in the team or something because you don't see anything and then like when the subs are brought on it doesn't really also make sense what he's doing like you know then it all like it peters out to nothing
1: yeah I think last season he got his subs spot on it was you know they say beginner's luck at the new club but he, he got everything spot on you know when things were going wrong he tinkered with it and it paid off but it's almost like now he's he's doing stuff out of desperation and then I mean there was no reason to take off Seba I mean Maybe you could have taken off Uzel, maybe Guendouzi. But Srebrenica is the one guy who keeps things sticking. Out of all the Arsenal players, when he gets the ball, he goes forward with it. He doesn't look too turn and, you know, put a wet on the ball and things like that. He gets the ball and he goes forward. He, see, like, he gets us driving
0: forward. And I mean, to keep off and then, like, you lose your impetus in a game by doing that. But you know what you mentioned that with a, a tinkering, like someone's you know, preparing for this team for that team and it but I mean that's also something I want to say that that I think you should also be more as you mentioned now a few minutes earlier, assertive. It's like we should force our tactic like Arsenal Football Club tactic on people. Yeah so people have to also adjust towards because, uh, yes, it's all good and well. You sometimes when you take playing a top four team, you have to adjust certain things to your game. But I mean if you watch, like, say, a Man City team, okay, look, they came around done against Norwich because they, they, I mean, let's face it, they were cocky and they were also unlucky because that score could have also ended in, you know, either way. But I mean, that being said, they still try to force their way. It's just, look, Norwich were kind of prepared or had some sort of counter plan to it. But if you're not taking Liverpool, Liverpool literally like force you to buckle to what they're playing. So if you're not going to combat uh, your, you know, your Firmino Salah and then, they're going to still do, you know, that you have uh, from, uh, Fabinho being a bit more adventurous from the defensive. If you, they know that you're sitting deep, then all of a sudden, that F- uh, Fabinho becomes almost like a, a attacking player, because like, you can see the more the pressure p- gets piled on you, you just start buckling. Also, with, with that Liverpool's last game, when they played, uh, what was it, Newcastle the other day? Yeah. Where it was also like, look, Newcastle took the lead, which was kind of, you know, like waving a a red flag to a ball that, that kind of <laughs> and I mean, they, they just like steamrolled at him. And I'm mean, second half, even though it looked kind of close, if you look at the, the scoreline and that 3 1, that three-one, was a game where Liverpool could have also done a, a Arsenal demo job of last season on, on Newcastle if they wanted to. Because I mean, you could see that wasn't yeah. like they, they were choosing when they wanted to attack, they were choosing when they were gonna almost like give Newcastle the ball to play a bit, and then afterwards, and they just if they get bored of, of that sitting back, does that start swarming you again? But that-
1: you know, Liverpool have become a really a devastating team, and I'm scared of them actually. Like I don't think they, I think they they could be favourites this season for the title. But you know where you know what you mentioned now is perfect. Where you say Liverpool almost forces the game on you was when Sebajos came out and said you know playing at Anfield and Liverpool was probably one of the toughest games he's played in his career because he said. They were swarming you so much and they were playing the ball so much. I and mean, when eventually you get the ball, you tie it and you want to just go for air and slow the <laughs> game down. But then Liverpool swarming again. <laughs> on you
0: and Do you remember that, that, that in that game that, uh, at Anfield where Sebaeus was driving forward with the ball and then he, I think he ended up getting swarmed by two or three Liverpool players? And that was like something like the 18th or 20th minute. He ends up losing the ball and, and Liverpool attacked. He couldn't even run back to the halfway and he was naked because. <laughs> Already so did like a lung busting run. And I mean, look prior to that he was doing like closing down with Gindorzia and it. but I mean by the time his legs were gone and even the commentators were saying, just look at him, he, he does his legs are gone. So yeah. Yeah. Arsenal need to start doing that to
1: to to, to teams, you know. Start so just taking him by the scrap of the neck and say, you know, you playing against Arsenal Football Club and you're gonna be lucky to get a point against us, because that's what how we
0: used to do it. Yeah. So, you know, I'll bring the podcast to an end now. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. You know, fingers crossed that things go right again. 17th place Villa. Let's hope. <laughs> hope you guys have a great weekend, guys. And uh, you, Aiden, keep well. Come on, you Gunners.
1: Cheers, guys. Let's go get that three points tomorrow.